0: You are now listening to The Claim It Podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I love having conversations with people getting into the journey of their lives. We don't just talk about their most recent shiny moment. They don't come to me with talking points. I reject people's talking points (laughs) because I wanna know the reality of their life. Everybody's got ups and downs, Twists and turns, what happened in their life. The point of us diving into other people's stories is that hopefully you give yourself some more compassion for you and your own life and your own journey, and that you be inspired that, you know, there's still time for you to do those things that you want, that you're free to change your mind, change your direction, change how you feel about your life at any time. On today's episode, I really love talking to Donna Bowling. Y'all, it's spelled D-A-N-A, but it's Donna. (laughs) I had to get clarity on that. Anyway, I love talking to her. I got to be a guest on her podcast a couple months back. I'll link that in the show notes. Uh, She had a pretty amazing story going from award-winning casting director to becoming an acting coach, starting her own business. To then a personal branding coach. And she really is working more in like visibility and showing up on video. And I love, I love her energy, I love her story, and I really think you are going to enjoy this conversation. Before I say, here we go, please, if you haven't yet, hit subscribe, hit follow and leave a review. If you leave a review for the podcast, screenshot it and send it to podcast at yourjoyologist.com. And I will send you a gift for my product line and you will be entered to win a bigger gift box that I'll be pulling once a month from the people that submit their reviews and DM me or email me so that I, I know that you've done it. <laughs> All right, here we go. Okay. So I love to start with, you can go even before this, but I really love getting into each guest like high school years. So like you can talk about things that may have happened before then that sort of, you know, make up who you are. But I just feel like high school years can be so amazing for some and intense for some and both and that it feels like that's when it starts this sort of pressure of what am I going to be with the rest of my life and who am I and like Pick a path and stick with it. Like that's how hopefully these days kids see that you don't have to just stick one, you know, like you pick a job and that's what you do for the rest of your life. But I think that so many of us can still be like overcoming that like, oh no, I'm supposed to grow up and be this and whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's funny you bring it up because at the time of this recording, um, I just posted a TikTok last night about – Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And I'm a big fan of all those kinds of shows, but it was so, it was such a very, very hard to watch episode because there was a lot of just like mean girl behavior. And I posted a TikTok saying it really, like, it was like PTSD. Like I felt like I was in high school and it brought me back to high school. So I went to Beverly Hills High School And I lived... But I was... If you are a 90210 fan or you know 90210, I was the Jewish girl that lived outside of Beverly Hills. So I was the Andrea Zuckerman. And um, I used to, you know, have such shame and kind of like... I was embarrassed that I didn't have the money that my friends did. In high school it felt a little bit more even keel cuz my family had started to do a little bit better but growing up like I, I was in the Beverly Hills school district since kindergarten and I was literally spending my afternoons at mansions after school like with my girlfriends and their and their houses and my house up until you know I was around 10 or 11 it was like a rental house in West Hollywood now if you bought a house there it would be 2 million dollars but at the time and it was $300 a month and it was like falling apart, literally like the ceiling fell in when it rained. It was, it was horrible. And meanwhile, we, you know, we had to kind of find cute clothes or like cheap cute clothes so that we could fit in with our friends. That was my whole like childhood experience at school. And then in high school, I went to Beverly, which, you know, you're meeting a ton of new kids. There's four main elementary or middle schools that feed into it. So you're meeting a whole host of new people. And I still, I think had that like imposter syndrome. I wasn't as maybe rich as the others, popular as the others. And I got myself like in a situation in ninth grade where I was bullied by three really, really popular girls um, over a rumor, some sort of like, I heard you said type of thing. And they just mortified me in a public setting, right? And it was, in, it was like a lunch time and it was in front of what felt like literally the entire school, but I'm sure it wasn't, but it was like a, something you see out of a movie, like in the courtyard type of thing, everyone's around and it was horrible. And it was traumatizing, like lifetime traumatizing. And it changed me completely a hundred percent because up until eighth grade, I was the most popular. I was the smartest. And when I say the smartest, literally the smartest kid, like in my grade, very, very cerebral, but also fun and confident and love to dance and act and sing and like blah, blah. And right after that, literally, I used to blame it on boys that my grades went away, but it was, it was that. I mean, I think for sure I started to kind of hide. Right? Anxiety, hiding, self confidence, started to hang out with probably the wrong kids, smoke cigarettes. Like, I just like totally weird. Were you like when you said like went hiding, but then also like wanted to hang out
0: with different, like started to hang out with maybe the wrong group of kids or whatever too? So it wasn't like, did you feel like, do you think that what was motivating that was sort of like, well, fine, like let me try to like fit in or like you were just, Well, also, I guess in this sort of high school, it's different. Like, were the wrong type of kids perhaps more of like the outcasts and not like a type of cool kid? Because when I'm thinking like, you know, the wrong type of kids, in some situations, those are like the cool kids. Yeah. But
1: in yours, was it sort of like? No, I mean, I think they were to an extent like cool kids, but they were not my people. And like, I almost started to... You know, now that I think about it, I think I started to try to become someone I wasn't just to get accepted and just because all I was craving was like community and circle and and network and like friends and not to feel like a loner. And so I kind of just got into a crowd of kids that were probably just not my people. Like they weren't good friends. They were, we were smoking a lot of pot, we were smoking a lot of cigarettes, we were going out. Like I was never, but that was never who I was, right? Like I was the girl that, wanted to stay home and watch 90210 and like eat popcorn and do my homework. But like all of a sudden I became this girl that I wasn't. And that is all out of the need to be accepted. Right. And the friends. So since you were coming from like eighth grade, you said you were a popular kid.
0: So I'm assuming a lot of your friends from that school also then went to Beverly Hills High with you. Yeah. But was it more just because of that sort of showdown than were they like, oh, okay, I guess it's not, we don't like Donna now. I literally like, or- lost.
1: There's something that happened and maybe I blocked it out. From eighth grade to ninth grade, all my friends were gone. I like had to start over. They were there, but like, here's the truth. I have always wanted, I stopped finally. I'm 41. I think in the last like five years, I really shifted, four years. But my whole life, I was always trying to be part of a crowd. I was always trying to be part of the, of the, I wanted to be included more than anything. And this is something that I've really struggled with. Like even as an adult, why didn't I get invited? Why wasn't I included? Why are they hanging out without me? And so probably to be a hundred percent honest, I probably kind of ditched some of my eighth grade friends going into ninth grade because they weren't cool enough. I ended up getting into this cool crowd, getting myself in like trouble with them. Right. And then going to another cool crowd. I was like bouncing. I was bouncing a lot. I never really, only like towards the end of high school did I feel like I really found like solid people, but it it took a while. I did not enjoy high school. Like I do not look back at those years and say like, oh, take me back. No, like it's traumatic. Get me out. Run, run for the hills.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you are not alone at all in that feeling of like, yeah, wanting to be included. Like, that's we all like have this like inner, like wanting to belong, wanting to feel like seen and accepted. And that goes with that. And I, yeah, I high school is such an interesting time. But yeah, I think that's the thing. So many people in high school are trying to do the same thing. And so they're not trusting themselves or listening to themselves. So then it is like, I don't know. Should I, that's, you know, me with the shoulds. Like, I don't know. Should I hang out with you, or even that was friend? But I don't think she's cool enough. Or oh, you know, what do we do? Is liking school stuff cool or not? And that and like not instead of like, what do I want to just like? Everybody's trying to figure it out, and so then like, it can be hard to like actually have these true and real connections. Although I know uh, people do have them. (laughs) Yeah, and I did, and I still have connections from high school as well. But yeah, it was it's an interesting time. One of the
1: girls that I became friends with towards the end of high school. She and I were not that close. We had a mutual friend that was really kind of the only reason that we really knew each other at all. Then we lost touch after high school, lost touch in college. Like we weren't even Facebook friends. Like there was no connection whatsoever. Weren't even and then, Facebook friends. Well, I mean, usually that's like how you connect right. with those people. No, right? it's not right. So I didn't even know she existed. Like I didn't think about her ever. And then I was at a preschool event with my, with my first, and he was like probably three And someone said to me like, oh, do you know who's coming here? I think you may know her. She's from LA. Her name's Jamie. And I was like, Jamie, who? And she said her married name. And I was like, I don't know who that is. Well, it ends up being that girl who is now my best, best friend. Like she's my sister. Like we ended up moving across the street from her. So it's interesting. Yeah. My best friend is my, a girl I knew in high school, but we weren't really friends then.
0: Okay. So like now thinking about like moving towards the end of high school or like in those years besides friendship, did you have any sort of like idea or dreams of like what you wanted to do in the world or like, okay, high school is ending. Like, was it, I'm definitely going to college or I want to be this or pressure from parents No, or I was anything? a mess.
1: I was a mess, honestly. Like I really don't think I had my my shit together. Can I cuss? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I had my shit together in any way. I I was delusional because I thought that I could get into any college because I just like still had this, this opinion of myself that I'm smart. And I was always smart by the way. Like I never failed. I always got by, but I was never an overachiever. I never like did the extra mile. I was in theater. I enjoyed that, but like, yeah. And so I remember applying to UC San Diego and UC Santa Barbara and thinking surely. And I didn't get into either. I also applied to San Diego state, which was like such a fallback school. Cause it was a state school, which like everyone, you know, and when I didn't get into that school, I didn't get into college. I didn't get into any of my colleges and my mom, here's something else. My mom is Israeli and my sister, my older sister, who had graduated two years before me was incredibly smart, like incredibly smart, She was the head of the yearbook committee. She was like always on it. So she could just manage it on her own. I needed more guidance and I didn't have that. My mom was a great mom. She just wasn't the person. She's not in your like, she wasn't checking my homework. Like she didn't give a crap. Well,
0: I think it's also a different generation of parents as well.
1: (laughs) That's part of it. We're definitely more on top of our kids than our parents were. But I did have a lot of girlfriends and it was usually the ones that were more wealthy. That had people like kind of making sure their shit was together. And, you know, even now as an adult, I have a girlfriend who is a educational consultant here in LA and she works with celebrity kids, the millionaire kids. She's in Malibu one week, then Palisades the next week, then this. So she's getting paid handsomely by these, these rich parents that are saying, my kid needs to get into college, figure something out, work with them write the essay with them, you know, whatever. It's not like the college uh, scandal where there's like, I'll pay you. It's more like, I'll pay you to tutor them, right? I didn't get that. I didn't get that. And like, I kind of, it's embarrassing, or it's not embarrassing. I kind of feel bad for my mom to say this out loud because I know she loved me, but she she, she kind of just let me flail, probably because I was a teenage bitch, to be honest, at that time. Like, I was probably hard for her to deal with. And um, there was a lot of door slamming type of energy. And so I kind of just got left behind, I think, in a way. I didn't have that like strong person. And then I didn't get into my college, panicked, and did the only thing I knew what to do, which someone told me, hey, if you go to Santa Barbara City College, which I don't know if you know anything about like that world, but Santa Barbara City College is a beautiful campus in the heart of Santa Barbara like looking at the ocean from your classroom beyond. And the majority of kids that go there live in the same city or the same town that like the UC kids go to. You can still have a very college experience. And as long as you do pretty decent, like B's and above, you're pretty much guaranteed into UC. So I just was like, I'm going to just now focus on school. And college, I, I did turn things around. I ended up getting into UC Santa Barbara and did really, really well. And what were you, did you have an idea of what you wanted to study or do? Or was it just like,
0: great, high school, then you go to college. That's what you do. Yeah, I didn't know.
1: I didn't know. I mean, I grew up in obsessed with the entertainment industry. I was obsessed with TV. I was obsessed with like being behind the scenes and being on set and all that. I just didn't really know what that meant. I wasn't going to study broadcasting. So I was a sociology major, which ended up actually working out because I think like the study of people is important for casting. I ended up going into casting when I graduated. And the reason why I ended up getting a job in the industry is back to my mom. So she wasn't like the most amazing high school mom, but she, I could, I think she's the best agent ever because she got me my first internship at a huge talent manager's office when I was a junior before or summer before my senior year. And then she got me my job as an intern in a casting office when I graduated college. And I was like, I don't, I don't care what I do. I just want to work on set.
0: Yeah. Did she work in the entertainment industry or no, she, she just, just had friends? everyone? Like,
1: got it. Like she met my first boss in casting on a plane and then my talent, like randomly she was, well, she saw she was doing something on a script and my mom is like always looking out for me. So she was like, hi, what do you do? My daughter is graduating college, she wants to do what you do. What do you do? (laughs) You know, my daughter wants to do what you do. What is it you do? Seriously. (laughs) She had no idea what she did. Like the woman could have said, I am a porn script, uh, writer. And my mom would have been like, that's what my daughter wants to do. (laughs) So it worked out. But, um, but yeah, I fell into, it was a dream. I mean, I so you got like,
0: into casting more because you knew you wanted to work in the entertainment. You knew you wanted to be behind the scenes somehow. But how you actually got into casting was, oh, okay, th- there was an opportunity for an internship. So, okay, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll take I that. mean, it was
1: at Hollywood Center Studios, which was five minutes away from my apartment, my first apartment, you know, living alone after college. It was a dream job. It was on That's So Raven, the original Disney show, That's So Raven with Raven Simone. The set was here. Our office was right above it. We were part of the production. I I met my boyfriend on the show. Like he was in the production office too. It was dreamy. It was fantastic. It was the best way to start a career. And then I became, I quickly became her assistant because I had a good attitude. I enjoyed it. I'm a hard worker and you know, it worked. And, um, And then I kind of started to move up in the ranks in different offices. And and so you once you got into it, you did enjoy it. Yeah, right away I loved it. But I think I loved it for the wrong reasons. And then I when I started to do my own shows at twenty six, I was getting my own shows with a partner. And so that, And so
0: what does that mean? So also for people who might not even know what casting means and what that looks like. And also this is funny because I know what casting is, but not until recently did I realize like oh, once the show is cast, they still have a casting agent. But like, of course, for guest appearances and for other things. But yeah, like that whole thing, like I was like, right, you need somebody to cast the cast and then you, that's it, right? Like I wouldn't, I didn't think about, oh, that show continues to have
1: people cast. Yeah, every episode. So like for casting, yeah, the job is to find the, the primary cast, you know, for a pilot episode, uh, you find the series regulars. And then if you're on an episodic, so a show with multiple episodes. So people
0: second. are a- auditioning, like first, so, so people come and audition and you, that's who they're seeing first is like the casting people who then decide if that person gets like,
1: oh, okay, you're, you're, we'll call you back. For exactly. Another- so we are essentially like the, the gatekeepers, right? Like they come into us, we select who we want to see. We get submissions from agents. We select who we want to see based on look and resume. And we audition a huge or a large amount and weed it out and then bring the select few to producers to see. And depending on what the project is, and if it's a series regular versus just like a smaller role, sometimes it's just on tape for them. Sometimes the entire network needs to approve. It's like a whole thing. But I think that that's what it came down to is I felt like I wasn't being creatively stimulated after years of doing it. I was doing it for 15 years. Um, You realize that you're just kind of like a messenger. Right. right cause not. I'm
0: guessing you are the ones that are making sort of those, not maybe the final decisions, but you're saying like yes or no to these fr- people coming in. But those parts, like you're casting based on what a writer, director, producer has said, we are looking for mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. this. So, like, yeah. And that's, in, I mean, it's funny cause this is what I work on right now. I, I have a program called Brand Like a Star and th- it's based on this. The first step is script, which is if you're coming up with like, if you want a personal brand, You need to figure out what your messaging is. Like, who are you in this space? And so actors, or I should say the first step of casting is a writer's room, comes up with the character. They write the character. Then we get something called a character breakdown, which is like a sentence, three whatever, three sentences, a paragraph, you know, Donna, 40 to 45, mom of two, um, extra hyper neurotic, um, panic attacks. And also an overachiever and loves Real Housewives and Nutella. Okay. So like, for example, and then um, we, that's where we take that kind of idea. And we have a little bit more creative license to be like, it can be any ethnicity. Maybe we should go this way. Like everyone would see Donna as being this, but maybe we should go with someone that looks like this because it's so often, you know what I mean?
0: So there was some room for like, it's not always... You know they have to look exactly like this, but like they would have some specifications. But yeah, you could be like playful. Yeah, with it I think in it depends cases. on the show. It depends yeah, in on some
1: cases, it, <laughs> like a family member. Obviously, you got to look like something. But yeah, it did become. Um, there was definitely a level as the years went on of you know you really had to be very conscious in terms of diversity and like there is a quota in all. Uh, what's the word? Um, in not industries in all departments. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna's brain. In all departments, because my husband is a camera operator right now. He works still in the industry. So he's on Dancing with the Stars right now. There is a quota for every department to hit certain things, right? So it did, sometimes it was out of our control, right? Like who got the role? Because we just knew it needed to be A, B, and C. Yeah.
0: It's, It's Trisha here. And oh my goodness, I am remembering how just simply doing one thing differently, adding one thing into your day can make such a change. That one thing for me lately has been using Sprout Living's protein blends. If you aren't familiar with Sprout Living, they are the most amazing plant-based protein powders. They taste amazing and they have the best ingredients. So a lot of brands actually use a lot of unnecessary additives, different sweeteners, gums, thickeners, or what they call natural flavoring. Do you know that natural flavoring is not really natural at all and it actually can be indigestible, highly processed and caused bloating and other issues? Seriously, Google it. Okay, so instead, Sprout Living only uses real powerful superfoods, adaptogens, and nootropics, which is really awesome because it makes their protein blends multifunctional, aka they are more than just a protein powder. And this is amazing because you can just add the two scoops of their protein powder and not be like, let me, oh, what other ingredients do I need to add? No, it makes it so simple. And you can really taste the difference behind this level of thoughtfulness and purity. There's no weird aftertaste or obnoxious sweetness because they use real whole foods and it tastes real. Like seriously, I am currently obsessed with the Epic Protein Mindful Matcha. And um, the sweetness on this is perfection. It's not like too overbearing like matcha flavor where you're like, oh, great matcha. <laughs> and it's also not so sweet. It is perfect. The perfect matcha. And it's a plant protein with superfood, adaptogens, nootropics, 17 grams of multi-source plant-based protein. It has this creamy matcha with coconut milk, ginger, lucuma, oat grass, ashwagandha, lion's mane and more things. So again, you just add two scoops of that. It's loaded with all of that goodness, the perfect sweetness. It is so good. I've honestly never seen this much consideration and attention to quality in products like these. And I also feel such a freaking difference from it. So go check them out at sproutliving.com. Like I said, my current favorite is the Mindful Matcha. I also really love the Vanilla Lucuma. There's a coffee flavor. There's a chocolate flavor. There is just a natural flavor. They have collagen. They have all the goods. Check them out and use code it 20 for 20% off your order. Once again, SproutLiving.com. A link will be in the show notes. Use it 20 for 20% off your order. So, Then you got, yeah, you got promoted. Then you were like the one in charge when you're saying you got your own show. So you were like the head. And I was the youngest,
1: to my knowledge, the youngest, like actual casting director of a TV show. I think I was 26 years old and I was casting. That's when we found, we did the pilot of a show called Shake It Up on Disney, but it was called Dance Dance Chicago. And we found Zendaya. We brought Zendaya to Disney. We found her in a small little pre-read. That's a, just a casting call, basically. Bella Thorne, like all these like kind of big names that ended up becoming bigger. So I was 26 at that time. And I was, you know, I was totally...
0: And being able like, to see that these young kids have talent. So maybe it wasn't like they
1: fit the what you're looking for, but that sort of like knowing no, them like this someone- person... Yeah. When you meet someone like a Zendaya, you're like, Mm-mm, you can't, there's no way you're not going to the next level. Like there was just something. And that's the truth. Like most actors, especially child actors, there is something like you can feel it. You just, it's an energy. It's a vibe. It's a embodiment. Uh, and that's who you were mostly, it was all, was it all children's shows? We specialized in the ch- child actor space. Um, which I have a lot of feelings about now in hindsight, like a lot of feelings about. I'm very, very passionate about how, I hope no one listening would be offended at how messed up that side of the industry is. Um, but, you know, it was fun and we were young and like, I would have rathered work on, work on shows on Disney and Nickelodeon and that kind than like CSI Miami, right? Like I felt like our days were filled with laughter and fun and jokes and comedy. And I could imagine if you're working on like a horror film and every audition is like, ah! you know, like it's like your whole day is very different. Um, we ended up moving towards like the young adult area. Like we worked for MTV. We did a scripted show for MTV. We did a scripted show for um, Fox. We did like, we ended up doing a lot more kind of teen, 20 year olds towards the end of the run, but at the beginning was all kids.
0: And what, yeah, like, did you know, like, can you remember some of the things that you started to notice or feel that maybe like, oh, I don't know if I actually want to keep doing this. Or did you have like a full on like breakdown moment? Like sometimes it's like we get these little seeds and
1: then sometimes it's just like, ah. (laughs) Well, okay. So it's two. it's in the moment, I could feel that there was some shady, shady stuff happening between child actors and the adults, whether it's their parents or the producers or the network. I saw a lot of stuff go down that in the, to- in the moment, like for example, one actress started dating one of the ADs, one actress on the show who was playing high school. Now she was over age, but very minimally. And this is on one of my shows, right? And um, started dating one of the ADs who was well into their forties. Like it was, There was stuff like that that kept happening, and you know, parent meltdowns and whatever. The worst I would say of it in the moment, like now in hindsight, when you see kind of what's happened to a lot of these kids, but in the moment, the worst was hearing what parents would say to their kids in the waiting room prior or right after an audition. So, like, a lot of times I wouldn't be in the casting room if I had to like close a deal. My partner would be actually auditioning, and I would be in the you know, in my office, but the door open right next to the waiting room. But they didn't know that the casting director was out there. And I would listen to, I remember we were auditioning like a little five year old's role for just like a one line, right? And the things that these moms were saying to their daughters, you know, it is, it's, it's textbook stage mom behavior, right? So it didn't sit well with me. And, but I was young. And then, you know, I got married and I ended up having. Dylan when I was like my, my now nine-year-old when I was 30, 31. And I started to kind of feel gross, honestly. I started to feel a little grosser about it. And I had a lot of agents say like, you have a, such a cute little round chubby kid, like bring him in. And there was a moment where I was like, I should make some money off this kid so I can see how it can mess you up. Um, but my midlife crisis when I fell apart and just was like, this is not for me anymore, happened when I was 37. And it was because it was years and years. So when you're in the industry, um, for the most part, you don't have a solid job, just like us right now. Like we're as freelance as you can get in the sense that like, we don't know what our month is gonna look like, but it's our business. It's our baby. And when I was doing that, I felt very much at the whim of someone else greenlighting me, right? So I couldn't go out there and make a job. If I didn't get the job, I didn't get the job. That was very hard for me. I am a doer, I'm a goer, and I, I, I'm, I think I'm better now, but I really equated um, productivity and money-making and being busy with feeling like a good like a happy person. Um, and I see some of that still. like if I'm not making money, I kind of question like, what's going on? you know? But, um, but I was 37. I ended up taking a job as an agent the last year. Um, because I thought it was going to like fix that concern of like not having a steady job. Um, right. Cause, because I'm, was- cause I, I'm like, with
0: the when you're saying you're not a steady job, it's like, yeah, you might be like on contract for a certain amount of time for that show or something. But then when that's done, then you don't know necessarily when the next job so so many similarities so many similar similarities in our own lives too Where even like you wanted to be in the entertainment industry backstage and you didn't really know how and i wanted to be in the music industry and i didn't really know how and then yeah. like like same yeah. thing Then like you get a tour and then it's awesome and then you don't you're you, you assume you will get another tour someday and you know that but you also don't really know don't, and it's like no you <laughs> <what>? never know <laughs> like it. yeah i made all this
1: money and then like wait but do i enjoy my life or do i like having to like learn to go through that and you thing? can't so you, plan you can't plan ahead like I remember always stressing out talking to like a CPA cause they'd be like, how much money did you make this year? And I was like, well, I made this, but like it all happened between these three months and then the rest of the months I'm on unemployment. Like it was so weird. And
0: yeah, you're um, like my weekly rate for, cause for touring it's weekly rate, so It's like, yeah, I'm making this much, but then it's like, oh,
1: but you might only work like 20 weeks out of exactly, Exactly. <laughs> so, God, such, I'm making so much money, but I don't I know. know. It was so it's, it's not for me. And like, I have the same thing right now in my business. If I have it, if I don't get clients, if I'm not getting like a, a a deal or whatever with clients, like I'm not making money, but for whatever reason, I'm okay with it because I know that if I need to, if I need to make money right now this week, I will find a way.
0: Yeah I you, can, you can create your own opportunities, not like,
1: yeah. yeah, you get on the phone, you call, you pitch, you tell you give someone an offer, you create a new offer, you you create a course. like there's so many things you can do as a casting director, you're kind of just like do, 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 do. And so what happened was I worked as an agent for like nine months at this big agency here in Los Angeles. And we were the head of the theatrical adult age uh, department. So we were working with adults, hated every second of it. I was getting the benefits. I was getting the salary plus commission. I had a solid like office. I hated every second because my job was fielding calls from adults who had rent to pay, mortgage to pay, kids to feed saying, oh my God, help me. Get me a job. Like I need help. What, what, why, why, Why?" It was, I don't know how people do it. I don't know how people do it. I mean, I would be down to be like Brad Pitt's agent, but I do not want to be like a new actor's agent because it's so hard, so competitive. So I quit. So I was out of a job and I considered going back into casting and I was like, that's not for me. And then I just, was this unemployed mom of two, because now I had a little baby, but I had a nanny at home because I was working up until this. I was unemployed. And then I started hanging out with like the, the, the stay-at-home mom crew here in LA, like the real housewives, right? Literally. And um, spending all my money. Spending all my money, going to every expensive workout, which you know those workouts, like 30 bucks a pop, right? Like for each class, going to the nice lunches and shopping. shopping. Me. I'm all of a sudden unemployed mom shopping with my nanny at home. I did not have that money. Like I don't know what went into me, but I woke up in March of 2017, $16,000 in personal debt because I never showed my husband how much I was spending. I always had my own personal. I always still do. I have an account that is just for me from other things. $16,000 in personal debt, Depressed beyond belief. And I was sick. I had a really, really bad case of shockingly mono. And I woke up in the morning, 103 fever, couldn't go work out, couldn't get up and see my friends, couldn't do anything. And I was stuck laying in bed. It was, it, that was the, um, what's it called? The rock bottom moment, right? That was the rock bottom moment. So that's when I decided like, I need to take more control. And when you were like going to all the
0: fancy exercise classes and eating out and shopping, was that just because, okay, I'm not working now. Oh, this is what these these moms are doing and they're inviting me along. Like, you know, like, Do okay. you remember
1: what I said a little while ago? I remember what I said. <laughs> I just wanted to be included. I thought I was like part of the cool kids again. And like, mind you, these are great women. Like I'm still friends
0: yeah. with them. Not anything that they were doing is wrong. It was just like... Yeah. You maybe didn't give yourself the space to be like, Oh, well, what do I want to do? What am I going to do? It was just like, Oh, okay, great. I'll just throw
1: myself into it was what these ladies are doing. <laughs> like keeping up with the Joneses. I was like, they're doing it. Like all of a sudden I found myself like lunching at like Bloomingdale's. Like, yeah, go. let's go to Neiman Marcus for lunch. What? That's a $50 salad. Like who am I? Um, I remember one time, like I had a moment where I was like, maybe I should buy a Cartier love race bracelet for myself. I don't know about you, but like, that's expensive. <laughs> like, I still don't have. But yeah, but when you're with
0: the people and everyone is like wearing them, then it's like, oh, right.
1: Yes, it was crazy. It was a really, really like effed up time in my life. But but that's how kind of I shifted out of casting or out of the industry and went into what I do now.
0: Yeah. So then you wake up and you realize, okay, I can't exercise. I can't leave my bed. I can't do these things. Like, what am I going to do now? How did you end up getting to what you're doing now? And did it did it? Has it evolved or like, you know, yeah, how did you decide like, okay, I need to create something for myself? Was it that that you saw, okay, how can I work for myself? And then like,
1: how did you get to this? So I wasn't following anyone in the online space that was like running their own business, like that marketer world that we're all kind of in now and like knowing who's out there, like that online business owners. I wasn't, I didn't even know that existed, but I did know who Gary Vee was. And Gary Vee had just come across my feed. My sister was a fan or something. So on Facebook, it would just show me random stuff. And he would always talk about like making your own opportunities. And I remember, and I will always thank my older sister for this. I was on the phone with her just like sobbing. Like, what should I do? I need money. I have no money. And, um, and she was like, you have to take what you know you can do really well right now and, and try to make money off of it. I said, I don't know what I can do. And she said, you know actors? And you know how to help actors. So start a business coaching actors right now. They will pay you because you have credibility. You have, like, there's absolutely, that's a win for them to work with you. And so I started a business with 103 degree fever, I created a website on a website company called Strikingly. I don't even know if it exists. I've never heard of that it was one. Like $12 a year. <laughs> and um, and I announced on Facebook because at the time, Instagram was literally pictures of my kids. That's it. And I mean, I never even went on Instagram stories, I don't think. And um, I announced on Facebook. Luckily, I got a client day of. The reason why is because... Donna, the casting director of all these shows is now coaching actors. Yes, please. And so I amazingly got clients really, really, really fast. So I don't know. I never really had to struggle in that business. It came fast. I had a lot of referrals, a lot of people. I know new connections. And I became very, very, very uh, busy and successful coaching actors for about two years.
0: And was and then, that was it coaching actors like in the audition? Like, you know, was it that like more finite thing? Because like, oh, of course, they can go take all these acting classes. But was your like sort of I'm going to coach actors like how to nail their audition sort that's of thing? Exactly
1: what it was. So I was never an acting coach. I, I am not an acting teacher. I never went to acting school. So there's really, really amazing people in that field. And I never wanted to be like, I'm going to teach you how to nail drama like no. But I can tell you, you're walking into the room this way. You need to change it this way. Your energy is off. Make sure that you speak clearly. You know, don't um, play with your hair so much. And very specifically, I was really good at giving people... Um, and I worked with mostly kids, honestly, at this time, because the, I became very popular in those, that kid space, the Disney kids. They wanted to get their next Disney show or the first Disney show.
0: And their parents are probably willing, willing to do Disney.
1: anything to
0: support their kids, whether their kids really Trisha, wanted it or whether the parent wanted it. Either way that that like, OK, I will do anything to give my kid the the
1: amount of money I made from from this was substantial. There were weeks that I was and I was all cash because like by cash, I mean, like Venmo, like I was not I didn't have an LLC in place like I didn't have. And did you just like go to their
0: houses or like. But you you were like, yeah, like, again, like you're not like you put a post on Facebook. Just come to my house. Not like I need an office space. I needed this. I need like.
1: By the way, isn't that insane that that's normal in this business? The reason why I finally realized how normal it was is because one of the top acting coaches for kids, like she's been doing this for 30 years, hired me to teach one workshop in her office. I went to her office. It was her living room. And she was like a hoarder. And I was like, people pay to be here. I at least had a very clean home. So anyway, people used to come over all the time. Weird, weird to think about like how many parents just drop their kids off at my house. But I think because I came so well um, recommended from their agents and whatnot, but still like, I think it's weird. Like I would not, I don't think I would drop my kids off at anyone's house, even a piano teacher. Like they come to my house or I'm there, like, or it's a guitar center. Right weird. Um but I think what happens is people are very very desperate in this industry and competitive and you know they want the leg up. I mean, I got gifts, like you wouldn't believe. I was gifted a $500 pair of YSL sandals. Um because the mom came to my door and I was like, "Those are cute." And next next week I had them. Um so much so many gifts. So many Starbucks gift cards, so many chocolates. Like I mean, it was out of control. I felt like a rock star and I hated it.
0: (laughs) Why did you hate it? Like, so again, you realize like, look at me, I made my own thing. I'm making my money, but it was, it still did it end up like sort of having that same sort of feeling?
1: Well, that's when I realized more than ever about how effed up this industry is with child actors, because I was seeing it firsthand. I was seeing parents call me crying hysterically that they can't afford to do this anymore, but it's okay. They'll sell something else of their own. They'll do it. And I'm like, and I had to tell a lot of them like, this is not the time to do it because I don't think your daughter has a chance. So I turned down a lot of money. A lot of people don't do that. I turned down a lot of money because I couldn't sit by and watch these children and their parents like lose their lives over it. It's, it was insane. So I said right around, what ended up happening was my business grew really, really well. I started using Instagram stories in 2018 which took it to a whole new level. I created a podcast. I had like the social media. But this was down. all directed and for so, that business still. Okay. Totally. All for the acting. I had, yeah, the podcast was called The Young Actors wow. Guide, and It was very, very popular. Like oh my, I'm like, deal. yeah,
0: I'm like, I can and, feel like without knowing it, like looking at anything, like, oh my God, of course, of course that would do well.
1: <laughs> I got book offers. Like it was crazy. Here's the thing. I... I started helping girlfriends that would like just text me, be like, hey, I have this business for Beachbody or whatever that they're doing. Can you help me with like Instagram? I don't get it. And so I started helping like their social media marketing presence. Well, in January of 2020 or like December of 2019, we went to um, Thailand, my family, and I was walking on the beach and you know, you're like walking and having like you know, a glass of like, I don't know, some sort of Thai beer. And I'm walking on the beach and I was like, I don't want to work with actors anymore. And my husband's like, what are you talking about? Because I was doing so well. And I was like, I don't want to do this. He's like, not again. Donna, don't do this. Not again. I said, "I, I have to figure something out. So I ended up just saying on my Instagram stories in January of 2020 or February of 2020, I am not doing this anymore. I'm working just with entrepreneurs, small business owners. Well, wouldn't you know that a month later, the pandemic hits, every single woman and their, and their mom was starting a side hustle and needed help with getting online and the entertainment industry closed. My business would wow. have died. And I ended up not only riding the wave, succeeding heavily because of that pandemic. So it was crazy. It was crazy timing. I don't know how else to say it.
0: Trisha here to remind you of just a few of the ways that I am here to support you besides this podcast. One, check out and join my From the Heart community on Substack. I send out messages to empower you to have you connecting with yourself, showing up for your life about four to five times a week in both written form and in short audio form, talking right to you in a different way than I do on my podcast. Go check it out at trishahuffman.substack.com and choose a membership. Another way, my daily inspiration app. It's called Own Your Awesome. You can get it in the Apple app or Google Play app stores. Hundreds of powerful thoughts to empower you and inspire you. And new, 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 new coming soon. Check out my reboot. Go to yourdualogist.com backslash reboot. Either get on the wait list, or it might already be open for enrollment. When you're listening to this, we're gonna do a month long reboot to clear out what is no longer working for you, whether that's stuff that's hanging out in your pantry, in your closet, ways to add more joy into your life, add more magic. We're going to do a reboot of your life, of your mind, of your home, of your relationships. And it's going to be fun. One month, I am so excited. Go get on the wait list or check it out at yourdryologist.com backslash reboot. I also got coaching. I got products. Go to yourdryologist.com to check it all out. And also feel free to DM me at underscore Trisha Huffman. And because you had built so so fast, too, that the, like, you know, Kids Academy or whatever, that business, too, when you're saying you shared on, like, Instagram and stuff like that, did what did you do? Did you automatically just, like, switch it to a new thing? And did any of, like, the people that had been following you for the kids actors end up, were they some of the people that ended up being like, oh, well, now I started the side biz. Wait, let me, oh, wait, you know, Donna said this. Maybe I can see her. Like, did they end up tying
1: together at all? A lot of my... Yeah. A lot of my clients are, are my former Amazing. clients' moms and dads. So I definitely held on to some of them. Um, there was, a, there was a, a weird dip. Like I was hinting at it, I think, for a while because I was talking about some of my business coaching clients, business coaching. I was hinting, hinting, hinting. When I finally ripped the Band-Aid, I got so many DMs that day. Some, most were like, well, I would say some were really happy for me. Most were like, whoa, whoa, um, why? Like, almost like I was letting them down. How, dare you? Them, How like, dare you? Because yeah, now i How dare you? Because I wasn't <laughs> going to be available. Well, because I was good at what I was doing and their kids were booking. And so, like, I was their lucky charm. And um, I had to, like, apologize to a lot of people and then, like, refer them to other coaches. And yeah, I mean, I couldn't, I, 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 ha- I can't tell you the feeling I had that day, Trisha. Like, I was not happy. Again. And when I finally said it out loud, I felt like I could fly. Like it was the weirdest thing. And I had never really felt that. I never really felt that kind of, like I would wake up in the morning and look at my schedule. And by the way, you know, you make money by coaching. I was working sometimes 6 a.m. on Zoom before my kids are awake, 10 p.m. at night because auditions come in last minute. there was no boundaries. There was no like balance. I was working Sundays. I was overworked. I was burnt out. I was miserable. I hated it. So I'm so glad I shifted out. But I
0: make up even if you had just sort of given yourself a like, oh, okay, I don't have boundaries. I'm going to create this schedule for myself and I'm going to do this. Like, you know, in some ways not having the boundaries might've actually helped you get out of it faster. You know what I mean? Because you weren't like as fulfilled from it that like, if you had been
1: like more structured in it, then it would have been easier to just be like, oh, okay, well. And, what, and I tried to do that by bringing on other coaches. So I had six coaches working under me that were, yeah, that were like various like specialties. A lot of them former casting people or current casting people. Everyone could use an extra, you know, 50 bucks here. So I would give them like a certain amount of the proceeds and then I would take a, like they would get the majority, I would get like 25% or whatever. I was running this like, school, basically, I thought it was going to make my life easier, but now I'm managing people and like schedules and this, and my phone was going off like crazy. I mean, it was, it wasn't for me.
0: There was no. But I got, so too, you had that moment on the beach in Thailand, I'm done with actors. And then, like you said, you sort of started to slowly say, oh, business clients, business clients. I can't imagine like, yeah, like it's you know so much you want to pull this Band-Aid off and like say like, no, I'm done with this. But at the same time, there had to be so many like fears and worries of, right? Or were you able, like, how were you able to move through? Like, yes, I've done it before, you know, like sort of, was it that? Like, I've done it before I created a business, this, I can move into this next chapter.
1: I think it was, I had started to work with a coach and there was there was a level or an energy there where I thought to myself, like, I was prepared that this was going to be a transition that wasn't going to be super easy. Like my door wasn't going to be knocked down with people saying, I've been dying to work with you. And it really did take a solid few months of like things to kind of even out. Obviously the pandemic was in March, but it's not like everyone just decided to have a side business in March. Like, we were disasters were, in March. You know, and I like even was like, we it's were just a month, right? We're just like
0: at home for a couple of weeks.
1: Like, I yeah, we for two weeks. Okay, two like weeks. two more weeks. Like, yeah. And then it was like, <laughs> We were just making sourdough. We were doing puzzles. Like no one was thinking about business. It was it was probably around like June of that year when things started to like really kind of grow. So there was a good solid like 3 or 4 months where I was kind of like flailing too. And um and plus, I mean, could it be an in, like it was such an emotional mental like mess at that time anyway. I'm home with my kids 24/7. 24/7. I was, I couldn't even dedicate to business, but I was a mess. I was a mess. Luckily I did have some recurring income coming in because I did have some connections that I was working with other coaching programs. I did have a couple of clients. I was okay, but it was not a flood. And I was so used to my phone being, ringing off the hook, like having to turn down work that it did. Yeah. I mean, I think I have some money mindset stuff going on for sure, but I was also so like self-involved because... Of the pandemic like I right in have some time. ways
0: the pandemic might have helped that transition because of the timing because also yeah if you had been stuck with it's not like you even really could have fallen back on okay maybe i will keep taking acting you know because there wasn't where it's like it's easy to be like okay i can do this and this and you said you were working with a coach had you hired a coach knowing that you wanted to shift or would or was that you hired a coach like thinking to help you with like running your acting business thing better
1: So I hired a coach earlier in 2019 and to build an online course. I ended up building this course. It wasn't really an online course, but it was a group program and I made $30,000 off of it. It was a genius idea. It was helping kids get represented by agents and managers, but like legit. So they were working with me. I was coaching them. They would put themselves on tape and I would get their tape in front of all the agents and managers. It was a great idea. And some of them are on TV still now. Like it was, it was cool. But we went to like this retreat in October of that year and we were in a house and we were all working together and we were doing some sort of like customer journey exercise. And that was the moment where I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't care where the actor goes next and like what to do. It was, I could, that was the moment where I was like, I need to do, because I saw these women around me, like just so on fire about their businesses. And I was like, I wish Cause I Because
0: they all, it was
1: like you you all were working with a coach
0: to like build an online program or build your online thing but everybody had different types of businesses.
1: Oh yeah, there was like health and food and
0: got yeah. Right right. So yeah. that yeah, so you're there not everybody's not like in an entertainment business like thing. Everybody's there for different reasons to that. And so that so then oh, so then did you end up working with that coach to figure out well, what it is that you wanted or it just happened that you No,
1: you know what was cool though is that that coach had a big program and she hired me to help in like the social media space and like for the beginners. So she actually did end up kind of like keeping me afloat and probably introduced me to a whole lot of people and gave me, you know, a little... Yeah, I mean, I was definitely given a good kind of like entrance into the space. But then my whole business shifted. Like at first I was just doing social media. Then I became more of like, or I mean an overall business coach. But then I was like, I should not be a business coach. Like, I don't know crap about like KPIs and financials. That's pricing. Like that's not my... Jam. I'm not an email person. Like, I don't get it. I know marketing. I know branding. I know how to show up on video. I know all that stuff. So I slowly kind of just pushed it around, playing around, figuring out what I did like to do, what I didn't like to do. And then I really niched it into the personal branding and video space.
0: Yeah. That's what now, because now it's like, like, it makes so much sense, like the show up on video with like the background the and connection. Everything. So right? yeah, it is interesting, but like how sometimes yeah. we need that, like, exploration and like going through different series to figure out, wait, why am I doing this? But it it likely can be because, okay, this is what I can do in the entrepreneur world, business coach, like that. Like, you know, it's like, we're just looking around like, what? oh, right, that. And then you, and somewhat, I'm sure there are people doing similar to you, but in some ways it's sort of like, oh, wait, I can create this
1: avenue that I really have value in And I have an approach that's not going to be like everyone. Like there's no, not that I know of, there's no casting director that is now helping small business owners show up on video. There's former broadcast journalists. There's former, like, there's a lot of former like actors that do that. But from the casting space, my, my take on it is much more from a, why should your customer, your client choose you? Just like why as a casting director, should I read thousands of actors with the exact same lines, the exact same, you know, stage direction, the exact same character breakdown. Why do some do better than others? It's not because they're better actors always. Sometimes it's just an energy. Sometimes it's a connection. Sometimes it's a, you know, sometimes it's an unexplainable reason, but it's personality. And it's that impression that you leave on your customers. So as an, as a, you know, you're a health coach, just say, and you're listening to this and you're like, I feel like there's so many people that do what I do. How do I stand out? How do I shine online? This is, that's my like. That's so
0: guy. good and so necessary. Cause yeah, so many times people stop themselves from even like trying the thing they want to be. Cause, oh, there's already so many of this. I'm interested in this. I love what they're doing. I could do that. Oh, but they're already doing it. They're this, like we go into comparison mood and so talk ourselves out from even doing it. And that's like, it doesn't, there's space for all of us. So yeah. So what makes you, what makes like, so like loving that, giving people the chance to really look at, yeah, well, why would someone say yes to you? Like you, we all have our own magic. We all have our own way of saying things. But so like, yeah, like what is
1: it about you that draws people? And in 2022, like no matter what you decide you want to do, you could be like a gardener that wears, you know, a a poncho with a, with socks on and um, wraps the entire time. Like whatever, there's probably someone else doing it. Like, I don't even know where I came up with that, but like, you know, like anything we do most likely is going to be someone else is doing that business. Author, podcaster, speaker, motivation, um, mindset, manifestation, health coach, interior designer, real estate. I mean, the list goes on. You're not alone. There's more. How do you how do you stand out?
0: And so, yeah. So, like, the big focus now on showing up on video, what do you see? I mean, I can know and can guess too. But, like, what do you see as the biggest reason, like, people are afraid? Or do people even feel like, oh, no, I don't need to show up on video. Like, that's not for me. I don't need her information or something like that. And, like, where the resistance is. Because for me, I'm like, yeah, show up on video is, like, everywhere now because social media, I mean yeah, most things are more video now. Even if you're not going to play into reels and all that, but like IG stories, I don't know.
1: So it's, it's funny. I was just on a call with a, um, a potential client right before this. And she's a little bit older. She's, you know, I would say like in her 60s in the real estate world. And she was saying, I just, it just feels so weird for me to do these reels, but I just made a million and a half dollars off my stories last year. Like I closed clients from my stories. And I said, but that's video. Here's the thing. So the way I look at it is this way. Instagram is straight up saying, you need video. We are prioritizing video. We're on video. If you want to be seen by a new audience on Instagram, you cannot have a static post, right? Instagram is really showing your your video content to other people. But once they see you, then they binge your content and your stories. They get to know you from your stories. That's how they really feel like they want to invest in you. They really want to work with you. They want to buy your book. They want to buy your product. Like that, it's not the real. The real is not making the sale. The real is getting their eyes on you, you know? But yeah, every, every platform, TikTok, hello. The potential on TikTok is beyond. Um, LinkedIn is even prioritizing video. YouTube is obviously one of the most successful I, I'm like barely on LinkedIn. And so I didn't even realize it was more like of a
0: social media platform until recently, but I've, I don't think I've turning seen into it. video on there. That's why I was like,
1: what, when you said LinkedIn? <laughs> mm-hmm. Every time I show up on, uh, and I repurpose a lot of it, right? So like, if there's something I'm doing on Instagram, a lot of times it's good for TikTok or good for, and not everything is good for everything, but if it's like more of a, and yes, LinkedIn yeah, it's funny because my, um, someone on my team is creating a course for LinkedIn because I also don't really get it. I want to learn more about it, but it's, it's an amazing place for leads. Amazing.
0: No, that's what I, I recently have been told to go over there more. Um, but so, yeah, like what do you think though? What have you seen people hold back? Because what I would make up people are one of your away from video. Is it like a confidence thing or like they feel like they have to show up a certain way? Because I, Find a lot of freedom in video, but I'm not a perfectionist. I'm not precious. So even like me, I've been sharing quotes like, oh, I just had this thought. Let me write it real quick and you know, on this thing and post it. You know, I started on Twitter. Okay, great. Now I'll put this on a background and put it on Instagram. And so when Reels started, I was like, oh, like, huh? Cause I just post these static posts. And then it was like, oh, I can just say the thing. And but I don't. I'm not so like. I'm like okay, great. I don't have makeup or hair or whatever, and I might not say this perfectly. It's okay. But I don't have that like perfectionist thing. So for me, in many ways, reels has been like, oh, this is makes it even easier to put out this message I want.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, The biggest there's there's like a few of the main ones that you hear all the time. The number one is I don't like the way I look. Sound, you know, I don't feel like I speak well. Um, So it's a lot of physical stuff. Just confidence, you know? And then there is the level of I don't have the time. I don't know, you know, I I never think to, you know, I don't have time to just sit and like create video content. They don't realize how simple it is to add into your day. Um, A lot of people, I don't have the ideas. I don't know what to say. I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to start the video. I don't know how to edit the video. I think we're past the idea that you have to dance. I think people most, for the most part, know you don't have to do silly trends or dancing, but it's just like, it's just very small little things. Some people it's a real mindset issue and some people it's more just like logistics, right? All right. Well, I'm going to get to the questions I ask
0: everybody. Okay. What is a go-to to raise your joy levels?
1: Exercise is a daily go-to, daily, must, every single morning, six days a week, if not seven, only because I like it, not because of any sort of weight loss or anything. Um, Although it definitely allows me to eat more and I love eating. So um, exercise and Nutella. I ask everybody to apply this phrase to their own life. What is easiest for you
0: is not always what is best for you. So what is easiest for me is blank. What is best for me is blank. And it doesn't need to be harder, but it's more just like the way that we like end, you know, just like a routine habit for us to do things or way of being.
1: And then, oh, but it's best for me to do this. What's easiest for me is to never stop moving and always be on the go and constantly be doing and finding something to occupy my time and multitasking, like doing it all the time. What's best for me is to throw my phone across the room put my feet up and watch a TV show on the couch in the middle of the day. Cause I think I need that so much or late or read a book, like whatever, just like not business, not laundry, not, I am such a doer that I can't stop sometimes. And what's interesting is I think I enjoy it. So it's there, it's not like I hate every second of it, but I just know that I get burnt out. And sometimes I, I catch myself too late, you know? It's a good thing to learn. So yes, you can catch yourself. Cause I, I could be, I'm not someone
0: too, that feels like I have to be productive all the time, but yeah, like it can feel, and I think also it's just part of society's like the shoulds, everything it's like, feels like, oh, am I being lazy? Am I doing this? Wait, am I allowed to relax? Oh, but I just thought of this other thing I could do and like, great. I'll make a note about that in my Google doc. And then I can do that later. (laughs)
1: Like our Apple watches are reminding us stand. You forgot to stand. You need to move more, just 18 more calories and you'll get your move circle. I get this every day Or like if I have a lazy morning Because I work out so often It's like used to the rings Always closing I'll have a lazy morning And I'll be like Donna, check your rings I'm like "Uh, It's seven But the point is Is that like Why don't I get a notification Saying like stop Stop and chill Maybe We need to to get that Into the Apple criteria Yes Have you you sat down
0: today? (laughs) Have you just... Yes, I'm going to call them and I'm going to
1: say you're really screwing us over. You're making us crazy Have you gotten your rest quota for the week? (laughs) Right, right. Really? Get your massage, girl.
0: (laughs) Seriously, that would be so amazing. Okay, the last question is the name of the podcast is Claim It because I feel so often we are chasing these ways that we want to feel based on, like, how they look. Like, if I do this, I'll be successful. If I do this, I'll be enough. If I do this, then I'll be fulfilled. Um, But if we actually can look at what would that feel like? What does it feel like for me to be enough, fulfilled, successful? Then we can claim that feeling for ourselves and make it a lot easier. (laughs) So what are you claiming for yourself right now?
1: Um... I'm claiming that I will not compare myself on social media to following follower growth and metrics that are out of our control with the algorithm. I find myself easily falling into this, oh God, something's wrong. I, my business is failing because my TikToks aren't being seen. Um, and I think I'm the only one. This is like the one thing that I cannot, like I have to remind myself to do. It's a go-to for me. I've already decided I'm good at my job. I've already decided I'm good at what I do. I feel much better socially and much more, um, you know, stable that way. But that is the one thing. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Yep. There's
0: so much that's out of our control. And I've never gotten, I've never really like tried to like, let me learn this hashtag thing and this blah, 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 and that because I just can't do it. But so yeah, it's just
1: also it's pointless and stupid. And you could have a video that goes five million views with zero hashtags. So like, there's yeah. So I have
0: always taken the okay, (laughs) whatever happens happens, and I'm putting stuff out there, and it will reach people, perhaps, and it'll get to someone. And like
1: letting go. (laughs) That's exactly it. Exactly. All right, thank you so so much. This was great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right. I hope you really enjoyed Donna and her story. You can find more of her. She's, this is Donna Bowling. Again, that's D-A-N-A. It's going to be in the show notes on social media, oh, yeah, I love too how she like really uh, works with all sorts of different people. Like, oh, you're in real estate here. You need to be showing up on video. You have your own brand this way. So, she's really so good at empowering people, no matter what their work and their business is, to be putting themselves out in, in the world and not hiding and not holding back. So, go check her out. I'll link to my episode on her show. Of course, if you haven't yet, please go get my book, F the Shoulds, Do the Once. Leave a review for it if you have it. Reviews really make a difference for podcasts, for books for everything. And I really appreciate every single one of you who's already written a review. So you can go to ftheshouldsdotheonce.com to find links to all the places to buy it, or, you know, go to where you normally buy books. And um, get my daily inspiration app called Own Your Awesome in the App Store. Shop my products, shop.yourgeleologist.com. For the final thought... There's so many things I can continue to offer you. (laughs) Join my From the Heart community on Substack, where I send love notes via audio and written form four to five times a week. Been loving that. But most importantly, right now, I want you to name how you can claim some joy for yourself today. I'm so grateful for you listening, for you supporting me in all the many things that I have been doing over the years. And, um, I acknowledge you for listening, for showing up for yourself, for showing up for your life.